0: Well, good morning and welcome to the church at Woodbine. It is a pleasure seeing all of you here. We're in the series Finding Our Way Our True North. And a couple of weeks ago I shared with you that on our vacation like this past summer in July and August that I had a run-in with the law, the police. Well, I also had another run-in with the law during that that trip. I had no idea that the law has been changed on the interstate that the slow traffic drives in the left lane and the fast traffic drives in the right lane. Did y'all know that's been changed? I cannot tell you that driving 69.5 miles an hour in the left lane behind 20 other cars going 69.5 miles an hour is one of the most frustrating things on the planet. And I, I drive in the gray area of the law on the interstate and, uh, and without doubt, almost always, the person at the front of that line, driving slow, is yakking on their cell phone, almost always, except every blue moon, there'll be a Federal Highway Patrolman driving 70.5 miles an hour in the left lane. And a couple weeks ago, I met a police officer, a patrolman, and I asked them. I said, I got a question. I said, do you guys intentionally drive 70.5 miles an hour in the left lane on the interstate or any lane on the interstate or even 60 miles an hour, 69 miles an hour? He's like, oh, yeah, I love to do it all the time. (laughs) And he goes, I love the reaction of the cars. This is what he told me. He will intentionally drive 69 miles an hour, which is one mile under the speed limit, and he just loves the reactions of the cars because they'll be flying up and they realize there's a policeman and they'll slow down and no one will pass until he pulls over onto the exit ramp and then what happens? It's Daytona 500. Everybody's flying. Now, how many of you are guilty of driving that way? You might speed a little bit and then you see a cop and you will actually will slow down. And just know, because I asked this highway patrolman, he's not even a friend, but I said, now do all you guys do this? He goes, most of us will do it from time to time just to get a reaction. So if you're driving on the interstate, the speed limit's 70, if the cop is going 69, he will not pull you over if you pass him. Just know that most of them like to do that from time to time just to see how people respond. But what is it about us? As soon as the police will pull over, as soon as they go on the exit ramp, then we're offline at 75, 79, trying to figure out where's that sweet spot to speed, but they won't pull us over, going 80, 85, 90. We all kind of want to do what we want. If we could live without the law, we would drive how we'd want to drive. And if we're all honest... It's really hard for us to submit to anyone, but especially our governing authorities, especially if we feel like they're immoral, unethical, unjust, or just evil. A question I heard this past week was this. If you had to choose between a really bad government and anarchy which would you choose? If you had to choose between a bad government or anarchy, which would you choose? Now, starting the series a couple weeks ago, we're talking about race, racial reconciliation, politics. I've always been told since I became a Christian, never mix politics and religion. Hmm, real wise sermon topic for today, right? Finding our way with politics. Now don't worry, I'm not going to talk about Democrats and Republicans, Libertarians and that type of stuff. Gender, marriage, sexuality, technology. I mean, we are hitting some very hot topic buttons. And I've said this, this, I'll say it then. This is our third Sunday and I'll say it again. I'm intentionally, I want to stir the pot on a lot of these issues. I've had a couple really good conversations this past week from some of you all who didn't like what I've, Preached or what has been preached from Anthony. Good. And I want to encourage all of us ask the hard questions. Talk about these hard questions, about these issues. Anthony challenged us with two things several things last week, but there were two things that really spoke to me. One was we need to die to Christ, we need to humble ourselves and die to Christ. And then he also said several times that we need to go back to the scriptures and let the scriptures speak for themselves. And I reiterate that we need to let the scriptures speak for themselves, and not only these topics in this sermon series, but in every aspect of life. And I want to encourage you: if there's things that I say that you don't like, come and ask. If there's things that are, that's being taught and preached and you don't agree with, it's fine. We're going to look to Jesus and point to Jesus. My email is in this bulletin somewhere on here. I know it's in here. Write me an email. Ask me what's going on. Actually, it's not on here. Well, you can write the church. Anyway, it's in our newsletter, my email. But write write our church. You can call the church office if you want to set up and invite me out for coffee. I'll pay for it. We can talk about it. But I do want to challenge all of us about our preconceived ideas about these issues, about our beliefs about these issues. And I want to encourage and charge all of us, let's run back to the scriptures and see what they have to say. Today, finding our way, our true north, finding our way in politics. How is a follower of Jesus supposed to respond to a non-Christian government, an immoral government, An unjust government. And I'm not alluding to any government right now. That's just a question to ask. What is our position on submitting to immoral or unjust authorities? My hope is that we will be reminded today who is sovereign and who has the ultimate word and who is really in control. May our allegiance be to him. King Jesus and His Word, knowing that God is sovereign in all things. And may we truly walk in obedience to His Word, shining His light and His love. We're going to look at two passages today. We'll look at a lot of Scripture today. But I'm going to read two right now. One is Romans chapter 13. So let's stand. Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to jump over to 1 Timothy. Romans 13, verses 1 through 8. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except for God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those who owe taxes. Tolls to those who owe tolls. Respect to those who owe respect. And honor to those you owe honor. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Let's turn over to 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter two verses one through six. First Timothy chapter two verses one through six. You will see a theme. First of all, then I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings, and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this incredible day. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your truth, for your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be our teacher. Father, bring encouragement and comfort and healing and transformation. Open our minds and our hearts to understand your word. May I say everything and only what you want. Father, transform us. May we die to ourselves. May we walk in humble submission to you. May we truly love. May we be men and women, young and old, of your word and fill us fresh and anew. So that you're glorified in everything that we say and do. And it's in your precious name we pray Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. And if you've closed your Bibles, please open them back up to Romans chapter 13. We're going to hit Romans pretty hard. And then we'll jump over to 1 Timothy and then we'll go from there. And I do want to say this. I am not an expert in politics. Having lived in Mexico for 20 years, I probably know more about Mexican government than I do about American government. But I'm not an expert in politics. And to be honest, my deep desire is that we would be men and women of the Word because this passage here can be applied for any and all of us in any country we live in, regardless of political affiliation or government, regardless if the government is good or bad. We can apply this truth. And actually, my desire is for us anytime and anywhere with anyone. We would engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus. That's a, that's a, that was supposed to be a joke about our mission statement. But know in all honesty, anywhere, anytime with anyone, that we would bring great glory to Jesus in everything that we say and that we do. Romans chapter 13. Paul wrote Romans. He wrote it to the church in Rome. That's not the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church still wasn't in existence. This is the early church. Rome, as you guys know, was the center of the Roman Empire. It's where the emperor lived and ruled and governed. And Paul had been traveling all throughout the Middle East, the Mediterranean area, planting churches, proclaiming the gospel, making disciples. And Paul himself felt like he had exhausted God's call on his life on the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. One of Paul's great desires was to plant churches and proclaim Christ where he was not proclaimed. And Paul wanted to get to the western side of the Mediterranean, to Spain. And he actually says that in Romans 15. Paul didn't plant the church in Rome, but he knew many people in the church in Rome. He had many co-workers who had lived there before and were there then. And he was introducing himself to these Roman Christians. In Romans, this book is an incredible book of theology, deep theology. And so as he writes this church, he's explaining what he believes and who he is. And he was explaining his heart and the sovereignty of God and his goodness and the faith in Jesus Christ. Introducing himself. But he says, the reason I'm writing you is because there's no more work for me here. And I want to get to Spain, but I want to visit you first to encourage you and you encourage me. Paul was wanting to create a home base where he could launch out from Rome and go to France and Spain. That was his hope. That was his desire The book of Acts stops when Paul is in prison in Rome. And we really don't know what happened to Paul afterwards. Tradition says he did get to Spain. But we do know that he was released from prison. He went back to Turkey, the area of Asia Minor, worked some more, and then was imprisoned again. The emperor, when Paul wrote this letter, was Nero. The emperor Nero, one of the most vile Unethical and moral emperors of the entire Roman Empire, he was the first Roman Emperor to truly begin to persecute Christians. There was a major fire in Rome that destroyed much of the city, and Nero blamed the Christians for it. Most historians believe that Nero actually started that fire to do his own building campaign. But as a result of that fire, Nero began to persecute and imprison and kill Christians. Nero was awful. And the reason I'm stressing this is in order to understand the context of what Paul is going to tell us today. Under the emperor Nero, Paul was executed. So keep that in mind as we look at this passage. Here we go. We've read it once, but let's look at it again. And Paul uses logic. If my son Samuel was here today, he'd be like, yes! My son took logic last year in school and loved it. Here's what Paul says, and think about this in the context of the Emperor Nero being in charge. What does he say? Let everyone submit. Ooh, one of my favorite words. Submit to the governing authorities. Since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God, So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. Let's stop right there. Paul uses just simple logic. What does he command us to do? It's a term, submit, obey. What does submit mean? I gave Chris a definition up on the board. Submit, to accept. Or yield to a superior force, or to the authority or will of another person or entity. Look at it. To accept or yield. Here are synonyms yield, give in, back down, cave in, bow, capitulate, relent, defer, agree, consent, exceed. Ponder those words. Paul tells us twice in this passage, submit to your authorities. Now, we can apply that to children submitting to their parents, employees submitting to their employer, students submitting to their teacher, and here to the governing authorities. Now, let's be honest. Who here loves to submit? Raise your hand if you just love to submit. Who? Rosa went... I love picking on you four. Thank you. I hate to submit. And the story I talked about, you know, driving down the interstate, everyone sees a cop and, ooh, they slow down. As soon as the cop leaves, boom, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. We don't like submitting. We don't like being told what to do. We want to do our things our way. And unfortunately, in our day and age, I hear it all the time here in America in the United States now. We're a free country. I should get to do what I want. Really? Because with real freedom comes real and necessary responsibility. If we truly are free, God has commanded us to use our freedom to love and serve others. It sounds a whole lot like doing what I want when I want to do it. Does it? And here Paul is commanding us, submit to the governing authorities. Then he goes into the logic. He's like, look, they've been instituted by God. Paul is helping us. He's helping the Romans to truly see that God is sovereign. He is the one that holds the nations in the palm of his hand. It says in Romans fourteen twelve. if you jump over one chapter here in Romans, here in Romans 14, verse 12, it says, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Each of us, that includes every single one of us. We will stand at the judgment seat and we will give an account to him for everything. That includes the governing authorities. Paul says in Philippians, it's an old early church hymn talking about Jesus because Jesus willfully humbled himself. There's that word, submitted himself to the will of God, to his Father, and became a man and became obedient even to death on a cross. And it says that God exalted him to his right hand, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And sometimes that's hard for us to truly grasp as North Americans or those of us who've lived in countries that are republics or democr- de- democracies, and we can vote in our elected officials. But when you think of a king who has fine on ultimate authority, every knee will bow and confess him as Lord. Jesus is king, he is the great judge. And at the end of days, everyone will be held accountable. And that's what I think Paul is trying to help remind us, that even if we live in countries where there's even horrible and horrendous government and leadership, he is still sovereign, and he will call all to account. And I don't want to say that flippantly. When I moved to Mexico, very quickly I became pretty anti-American. America this, America that, rah, rah, rah. And one of the founders of our ministry is a professor. He's still alive. He lives here in the United States. He is a professor of American history and theology and ministry. His whole basement is a museum of World War II. And when you go to his house, it's amazing the collection in his personal museum. And he loves the United States. And I'll never forget, he was down visiting us in Mexico. And he said, he was teaching us, and he said, you know, I love the United States. God has used our country to give me blessings and things that I could never do. And the Holy Spirit used that to hit me really hard. To be grateful and thankful for the country that he's allowed me to live in, the U.S.A., And I need to recognize, and I felt like Holy Spirit was convicting me deeply of my attitude against my home country. And we need to realize that the freedoms that God has given us here in this country, we need to be grateful and thankful for. We would say the same thing in Mexico. But I recognize that there are many countries where the leadership and the governing authorities are wretched and awful and unjust and wicked and wicked. And I am not a political expert. But I have to remind myself, what was the condition that Paul was in when he wrote these letters? What was the emperor like? Definitely not God-fearing. And yet he commands us to submit. And he reminds the leaders, he reminds the readers in Romans, the governments are instituted by God. And he says, here they're God's servants. And God is sovereign. And he will hold them to account. And if you read the entire book, the entire Bible, you will see that, and you see it in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked, horrible king, said that all the kingdoms of the earth belong to the Most High. Daniel himself proclaims that, that he sets up kingdoms and he takes kingdoms down. God is sovereign. Now, why does God allow? horrible, wretched, evil governments to exist? I don't know. I don't know why it is. I can give you the Christian answer, the theological answer, but where's the justice? And that's what Paul reminds us here. God and his sovereignty, working in and through our free will, allows evil to happen, and I don't get it, I don't understand it, But we have a choice. Are we going to trust in him? Are we going to trust in his ultimate will and his sovereignty? Knowing that the promise and revelation that he will judge, he will bring vindication, he will bring his justice and his truth, and he will reign. And he will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more death. Two weeks ago when we saw about racial relationships, what did John see standing around the throne? People from every t- tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping the Lamb. That is our true north. And as Paul goes on to say here, he says, Do you, you want to fear the authorities? Do what is good, and you'll have its authority. Why do most crimes happen at night or behind closed doors? Going back to the funny story of speeding. Why does everybody slow down when they see the cop? They don't want to get a ticket. But the ones who never slow down are the ones following the law. There's no fear of retribution. Paul continues in verse 5. He says, therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience sake. And for this reason, you pay taxes since the authorities are God's servants. You see, God in his sovereignty uses governments, uses kingdoms, uses nations to work his perfect will for the end of days. And they're actually servants. And there might even be some of you here today who God will call to serve in governments and places of authority. It can be a calling. And if God calls you to serve rather on a local government level, a city a state, or even national level, that is a calling that God is giving you, and He will use you mightily and powerfully for His glory. And He might place some of you in positions of power, not for your glory, but to influence His kingdom with what He gives you. It might not be in the government. It could be in schools. It could be in businesses. But God places us in places, and if we are, that really sounded good, didn't it? God places us in positions, and we need to ask him, Lord, you've got me in this position. It could be a very low position or a very high influential position. And the question is, are you submitting to his authority, to his rule for his glory? And then look what Paul says here in verse 7. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those who owe taxes. How many here love to pay taxes? Tolls. I told you guys I got on the wrong exit of the Turnpike in New Jersey and was going to be fined 12 bucks, and I sweet-talked my way out of it and paid 90 cents. I was real submissive at that toll booth. (laughs) And the Lord used that to remind me: Doug, you are guilty of sin even though you didn't mean to, you're still guilty. Will you walk in humility? And then look what Paul says. Respect to those who owe respect and honor to those who owe honor. To you owe honor. Verse 8 is the, as we say in Spanish, the clave. It's the key. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. We are commanded to love one another. If we jump over here to 1 Timothy, and this is to wrap it up. 1 Timothy. Timothy. Chapter 2. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Guess who's the emperor? Nero. Look at what Paul says here. First of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for who? Everyone. Prayers, petitions, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings, and all those who are in authority. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Think about God's heart for the lost. Even the most vile, immoral, an ethical leader on the planet, God desires for that man or that woman to be saved. Jesus shed his precious blood even for those. It is only by God's grace that we're sitting here today freely worshiping our Heavenly Father. It is only by his grace that we're his sons and his daughters through Christ. We need to remember God's heart. Finding our way politically, we are commanded to obey and submit. Are you, am I, are we willingly submitting to those in authority? Are we giving the honor and respect that is their due? They might not deserve it but we're still commanded to submit. Do we pray for our leaders? To be your boss, your parents, your small group leader, your pastor, our governments. I ask the question, if we would invert how much we time, how much time we spend complaining about our governments with how much we pray for our governments, what would that look like? What would it look like if we would invert how much we complain about whatever leader there is? Civil or church or business. And instead of complaining, 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 we pray for, we pray for, we pray for, we pray for. And we look for ways to get up under and lift them up in honor and service. What would your office look like? What would your school look like? What would your home look like? What would the church look like? What would our city look like? So, there's two things. Scripture does command us to submit to our leaders, it commands us here to pray for our leaders. Personally, please pray for me. I need y'all's prayers deeply. Pray for your boss, pray for your parents. Pray for our city government. Pray for the elected officials. Look for ways to bless and love and serve. One little caveat. There is a time and place to disobey our governing authorities. Acts chapter 5, real quickly. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. The church has just been birthed. The church went from 120 believers to over 5,000, then over 3,000. Oh, sorry, verse that. Over 3,000, then over 5,000. John and Peter go into the temple to pray, and they heal a beggar. And out of that's this massive revival of even thousands of more people getting saved. They're arrested, and the Sanhedrin, who are the governing authorities for Israel, command Peter and John to never preach in the name of Jesus again. And this is their response here in verse 29. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The one big caveat about not obeying governing authorities is if they command and try to force us to disobey God and his commands. And that can go for our bosses, governments. If they command us to directly disobey what is clearly taught in Scripture, we can respond the way these apostles did. We must obey God instead of man. It requires lots of wisdom. But my challenge for all of us is this. Do you, do I, do we have a heart of humility as that of King Jesus, humbling ourselves, even in very difficult and trying and sometimes extremely confusing, immoral and unethical uh, situations where we humble ourselves to the will of the Father, where we follow Him regardless of the cost, For Paul, it cost him his life. For many of our dear brothers and sisters in many nations on this planet today, they lose family, they're imprisoned, they're beaten, and many of them lose their lives. But as Jesus says, woe to the one that gains the whole world and yet loses his soul. Jim Elliott, a very famous missionary who lost his life, In South America, said this, and I don't have it on the board He is no fool who loses his life to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who loses his life to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus commanded us, in order to have life, we must die, to be first. We must be last, the servant of all. May that be our heart's cry. Even within our political system, may we walk in humility, love, and power of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus is glorified in our lives. Let's stand. Let's pray. And during our closing song, if you need prayer, if the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, it might be just an attitude of your heart about leadership about authority and God is convicting you that you're arrogant and prideful and you want to do what you want to do. It might be you've never given your life to Jesus, this Jesus we talk about. And Jesus is calling you to repent of your sins and put your faith in Him as Lord and Savior. It might be there's an area in your life that has not been submitted to the Lord Jesus. The way you use your time, the way you use your money, friendships, And he's speaking to you now that you haven't surrendered to him completely. Now's the time to do it. Members of our prayer team will be over here to your right, over here at the Next Steps table. We would love to pray with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible day. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, I confess, it is hard to submit. It's so much easier to complain and gossip and slander those in authority especially the government. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you give us your spirit, fresh and anew, that we would walk in humble submission and obedience to you, Jesus, that we would be men and women of prayer, that we would shine the light of Jesus, silencing the ignorance, the ignorant with our good works, so that you, Jesus, are glorified in everything that we say and do. And we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen.